Welcome to episode 11 of Angelo's new iPad Chronicles with your hosts Brian and Angelo. This week we go deep into the unboxing of Angelo's new iPad, his initial feelings, thoughts, and comments. And we'll also go over a tactile review of the new Apple product, finishing up with his thoughts about how the new iPad smells. Angelo, the floor is yours. Isn't our show called Double Density? Oh, not this episode. This episode apparently is all about the second coming of your new tablet. It's one of the tablets, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I finally got my iPad yesterday, and uh, it's pretty great. um, I'm just getting used to it, right? When you get a new device, there's so much you're you're not used to. But uh, it spent the the night uh, downloading photos and kind of prepping itself. This morning, once I opened it, uh, it seemed to have been sort of sorted out I, I i managed to briefly crash something when i changed the desktop wallpaper isn't the concept weird though that you like at, in the night your device does something on your behalf yeah it is kind of funny but these uh these new ios devices do a lot in the background the first few days and that's why people complain that they might be slow when they first get their ipads and iphones but there's a lot going on behind the scenes and your battery life sort of suffers a little but after a few days, it normally straightens itself out. That's why I think I got that weird crash today. And but everything else seems to work really well. It's uh, it's everything I expected and more. Especially coming up from uh, such a, an older model iPad with uh, a much smaller screen and no Retina um, screen. And I have Retinas myself, but the screen was <laughs> not uh, quote unquote Retina, which is uh, the high definition screens. Looks really good. Works really well. I like the. Um, the true tone feature which is so what it does is it adjusts the warmth of the screen so the white balance of what you're looking at to the room you're in so everything always appears to be the right color and uh, and i heard a lot of people talk about it how it's incredible and in my head i was like well how great can it be what can it actually do and yeah it's really cool I really started noticing it uh, lately when I've been reading, and uh, you really see the difference as you move from one type of lighting to the other. Uh, just before we started our uh, our show right now, I was sitting on the couch in the living room, which was sort of dark, and I had come in from the kitchen, which was lighter, and it completely changed the way the article felt that I was reading to my eyes, but it, 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 was, it was correct. It, it seemed better than it should be. I don't know if I'm explaining myself right, but it it adjusts it properly to the warmth of the room, which is a feature you really enjoy. It'll be cool, especially if you're reading in uh, in bed at night. I think it it'll it'll help in the eyes. I don't like uh, the, the night shift feature that Apple added with um, I guess late early last year maybe, where it adjusts the um, tone of the screen to make it almost orange. I I really have a hard time with that. It it looks absolutely ugly to me. And I don't find it makes much of a difference on my eyes, but uh, your mileage may vary. I think for some people it does help them sleep. I can look at my iPad and sleep fine in the evening, although I do prefer reading an actual book before bed. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Enjoying that real tactile. So you've made me a liar in my intro then um, with uh, a lack of extensive review of the new iPad, but that's okay. Uh, but you took your new iPad into the wild though. Yeah, and, and, and just to clarify, I think people realize we're not tech reviewers, uh, even just hearing my rambling about how good the iPad was. I don't know if I'd ever be good at a reviewer. I can give my opinion on stuff. Um, But if you want to uh, read some good reviews, there's some really good iPad reviews uh, 
out there right now with uh but you haven't done any tests like dip it in pepsi or something no i haven't done that that's uh maybe when i come back uh from my trip next week which we can also talk about briefly uh but yeah so i brought it out in the wild like you said i brought it to the office and um i mean it's not like i went around showing people but whenever people saw the ipad the reaction's really funny because it'll the first reaction was always oh it's so big oh what can you do with that and just out of context, if people didn't see what we were talking about, it could be misconstrued. Very easily, yes. A lot of good um, possibilities if uh, I was working for Michael Scott for him to say that's what she said. <laughs> uh, but thankfully you're not, so people were uh, appreciative and uh, kind of interested in seeing your new toy. Well, it is a novelty. I don't think I've ever seen somebody with an iPad Pro uh, on the floor of uh, where I work. I mean, most people aren't uh, super into technology I, on where I work. I mean, there's a few of us, and uh, I'm I'm definitely in the top three or four of uh, technology nerds on my on my floor. I'm pretty much the only one with a technology podcast. <laughs> I like I like the uh, the ratio of uh, people who have tech podcasts versus who don't on <laughs> the floor that you work on. I know if you still work there, uh, we'd be doubling. I know double density. Ah. Uh. So the new iPad isn't the only thing that you experienced this uh, past week. We had to push recording to a different day last week because you went to an escape room. Yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect. And I think I put too much thought into what it actually was once we were in the puzzle. So there were eight of us doing uh, this escape room, uh, just about the right number because uh, the room we went to, everybody got a specific job to do. And uh, mine was to memorize or is speculating on new um, iPads. No, mine was to memorize uh, the order and difficulty of the puzzles, which actually never came into use. So I was pretty useless, my job. But as part of the puzzle solving, everybody was able to put in an idea. And I really, really overthought things and tried to think outside the box too much because once the actual solutions were uh, were presented and we came up with them. They weren't as out of the box as I thought they were. There was one that was a bit off and we had to ask for a clue for that one because there was no way we ever would have guessed it. And um, at the end, we did pretty terrible. Uh, we didn't finish and we had more than half of the thing to go. Because wow, we, so you were, it, it was an hour long? Uh, 45 minutes. 45 minutes, okay. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, it was okay, uh, but I don't know if I would go back and pay another $35 per person to do it. It was not cheap. It can get kind of hefty, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was expensive. It was a fun night with friends, though. That's the thing. I had more fun after we went back uh, to somebody's uh, place and we uh, chit-chatted there. Uh, I mentioned our podcast. A friend of mine has been listening. He's probably listening now. Great tireless work. Well, not right now, but in 10, 15 days when this gets released. So let's quickly um, deviate into uh, something else that we want to do is we want to thank everyone actually who has been listening and who has been commenting on social media and giving us reviews on iTunes um, too, which is super appreciated. Yeah, I, uh, I did want to give a shout out to the Not Alone podcast. They've been uh, really supportive. I actually uh, met one of the hosts on uh, Reddit when I was uh, asking a question and I started listening to that show and it's absolutely fantastic. They, um, I guess... 
I don't know. I, I don't want to insult you, Brian, but on my end, I feel that they do a lot more research than I do when it comes to talking about these topics. They're really well-researched, uh, well-spoken. Um, Sam and Jason do a, a terrific job. What you're saying right now is that you are the least prepared host. Of, of, of the two of us? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel that uh, you're the, the MC and I'm the, the color commentator, I, I, I would say. I, I see you more as the hot take guy, and I'm more so, yeah, the rock that keeps you straight and narrow uh, when things get up and you get mad about things. Uh, anyways, jumping back into the escape room, um, it's funny, you're not the first person to say that you're overthinking things, and um, I have yet to do one, I'd like to do one soon enough, but I think my plan is the same thing a teacher will often do in a classroom, and it is like, in a classroom you teach to the dumbest kid, and I think that I need to do that. <laughs> Um, in the escape room, we just like think of like the like the most simple answer. Yeah, that that really. There was one uh, thing where I had to type. Uh, there was a password. There's a computer. You had to type a password, and the hint was it's uh, it's uh, it's the box or something. I was like, oh, what could this be? And my friends were trying to solve something else, and I was like, okay, let me get into this computer and be like the hacker, and I'll be super cool. <laughs> and there was a, a box on the counter. It was more of a tin, but there were there was like an expiry date. I'm like, oh, that's the definitely the password. I tried to enter it all kinds of different ways, and no, the password was in a box that was locked that had to be solved with a different puzzle, and I wasted all that time uh, when I could have been helping with that puzzle. And then you all died. And then we all got crushed. No, <laughs> they just came and get us and said, sorry, guys, your $35 was wasted on well, something. Well, speaking of unfortunate ends, I linked you to a website last week that we were both kind of amused by, which is uh, deadmanswitch.net, which is a service that if you unfortunately pass away, will send out emails and things like that on your behalf when you uh, die. Well, you say amused, but... I, well, I, I mean, like <laughs> almost morbidly amused. Yeah, I guess would be the best way of putting it. Yeah, I think I was more horrified than amused. But I think it is a very vital um, service to have out there. What do you think? Uh, yeah, you know what? You're right. It is because something had happened. And I, the thing is, I, I wasn't clear on how it, it gets activated. You have to carry something in your hand all the time, holding a button. And then when you die, you let go. What it does is that um, uh, at certain intervals after your last login, so I think it's like 30, 45, and 60 or somewhere around there, like after two months of non-activity then the dead man switch gets activated. So they'll send you periodic emails and uh, check to see if you've logged into things. Um, and, you know, like, for example, like at the bottom of Gmail, it tells you when you last logged in, right? Um, so they use that as a barometer a lot of the time. And then that way, uh, once that threshold has been passed, um, the messages that you want to send out uh, once uh, you've passed away get sent out. That, that makes a lot more sense than my uh, literal dead man switch I was uh, contemplating before. Well, I was picture that they had built a bot that scanned the... Uh, the obituaries. Oh, yeah, that's actually pretty smart. Um, but that's way too complicated for this. Well, yes, I think the, again, going back to uh, teach the dumbest person in the room, um, the idea of last known login makes a lot more sense. Yes. Um, so I think that's a, it's an interesting service. I've contemplated it, um, given how you can actually uh, do uh, sign up for free. And then if you want to do, uh, an upgrade to a premium account, then there's more options there for you and more messages that you can send out. Yeah, and then you pay once once it gets used, right? <laughs> right, right, right. It's like that old episode of the Flintstones. I don't know if you remember, but they go to the future and there's credit cards and there's like that ominous thing of like, oh, don't worry, you'll take care of it later. No, I don't remember that at all. No, I'll have to put that in the show notes. But yeah, there's like this weird episode where Fred Flintstone learns about what a, like, what a credit line is. 
And as a kid, it was like a really weird thing to learn about too. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, you can go ahead and tweet us at double underscore density and let us know that you also have seen the episode and then it also also a weird experience for you to encounter. And so speaking of logging into email and all that stuff, um, today I decided to switch back and try Apple Mail again after three years of not using it because I, I felt it was not very good. I'm a Gmail user and it never worked well with Gmail. It kept giving me these weird timeout errors and kicking me out and not working. So I just switched to the regular Gmail app. And on my computer, I I mostly just go into the web browser. And um, I had started using the inbox um, version of Gmail. And today I've just switched back completely to the regular old vanilla Gmail and trying to use the mail app on both my iPhone and my new fancy schmancy ipad i'm not switching to the uh mail app on my mac though i'm going to continue using gmail on the web for that because i do like the the gmail web interface i know a lot of people hate it but uh, i i like it a lot actually it also helps us uh, record our show so i can't really be mad at it and this is why we work so well together we like a lot of the same things it's but like oddly specific tech things that you and i are both like oh you do that too i do that too yeah it's (laughs) It's so strange, and and the 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 whole paranormal thing too. This is why our podcast, I feel, works well together. I feel like this is just leading up to you and I uh, getting abducted as a duo. That would be great because it would make for amazing podcasting, and I think we'd get some new listeners out of that. <laughs> I at least a couple, yeah. If we were out there claiming that we had a Travis Walton ish like kind of a episode, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty stoked about that. Especially like getting abducted alone would be kind of a bummer, I think, and be maybe mildly terrifying. But um, getting abducted with a friend, so you can share in the experience, could be interesting. What makes it mildly terrifying? Like, what to you like it makes it versus like just outright terrifying? Because for me, the idea is just outright terrifying. Yeah, I Because I, I know they're gonna like mess with me. They're gonna probe me in various ways that I'm not comfortable. Uh, with and then also they may inject me with things so I, i'm not sure that to me is just outright terrifying well going back to uh when we discussed my uh, sleep paralysis it is extraordinarily terrifying because the, even just the thought or the idea of getting taken out of your home by uh, somebody from another planet uh, visiting your earth just to experiment on you would be pretty scary although it makes me think of that uh, funny video you sent me with the guy who got abducted Oh, the one from a couple of episodes ago? Yeah, that was really funny. I don't think we posted it in our show notes, but... Uh, uh, we'll throw it up on Twitter. Yeah, really funny. We're fast and loose with the video links here today, Oh, yeah. Apparently. I, if, if anybody's been listening uh, this long, and uh, if you've noticed, we often do not put stuff that we say we're going to put in our show notes. We kind of just forget. We try our best. We listen back to the episodes uh, at least once, right? You listen to it while you edit it, then you send it to me, then you listen to it again. And we add things as we go along, but sometimes uh, we, or should I say I, because I'm responsible for the show notes, uh, forget sometimes. I like how you threw us under the bus when my explanation was simply, our audience is smart enough, if they want to, to go out and explore it themselves. Yeah, you can cut that all out, make us look smart again. (laughs) There we go. Um, speaking about things, I, I feel like we're saying speaking of a lot tonight um, because we we have a lot of inter sort of related um, things we want to talk about this week. So another thing that you and I uh, both enjoy geeking out over is um, uh, internet related nostalgia and things that 
have existed uh, media that has existed you know like 20 years ago 25 years ago with the sort of um the new horizon of commercial internet usage well it's it's funny how one of my favorite things to do on the internet is look back on the internet and uh i don't how did this come up this week i can't remember how this came up i, I think i had seen an article about an old um video or something i don't even know but uh it came up and we started talking about it and uh, i watched a few videos about uh the when the internet was starting to become popular i guess that was mid 90s and yeah and it's all these like um like how to's and like very uh, geared towards families learning what the internet is together and how they can meet all of their different needs like that woman who's like, oh, they have recipes on the internet. And the kids are like, they have games and I can find out about dinosaurs. And the dad, of course, is going to do his taxes and the family budget. The dad's never like, yo, let me play Doom. Yeah. Like, let me, like, how many things can I shoot on the internet? See, the thing is, is that's an early, mid-90s dad. And now the current dads, such as myself, grew up in the late 80s to mid-90s and started with the internet. So now... The dad would be like, uh, yeah, uh, so I can play my video games. The modern dad, though, is really into video games, as well as everything else doing his taxes. Um, mostly looking at weird, random things. Um, uh, one-upping his children in arguments, I feel like. Do you use the internet to one-up your kids in arguments? I kind of... So if my kid is insisting about something, I'll kind of point it out to her by showing her the internet. I can just go to a link and say, no, this is what is correct. So you often use something called a search engine to do that. Yeah, I, I use, uh, what is it, uh, Lycos Vista? Right, Alta Vista? No, I know, it was a joke. I mixed the two of them. Come on. Oh, you're, you're, making you're going me, one level you, above you, me do here. Do you think so lowly of my early internet cred that I would get Lycos and Alta Vista mixed up together on purpose? You tried to inception me, essentially, is yes. what happened there. But, uh, but yeah, this video that you posted, the kids guide to the internet, is hilarious. It's just like, they get to visit a virtual museum and the thing for me is that like they have what is clearly like faster than a 14.4k modem because those images were loading way too quickly. oh yeah they're they're like on a university line or something back then i when we th my first internet experience was in in um, college well we well what we call here in quebec cgep it's like uh, between secondary school and university and um what, do you, what were you gonna say Oh, I was just going to go into the idea that, yeah, it was an ISDN line for sure. Yeah. And uh, so that was my first experience, and it was that fast. And then when I got it at home, it was sort of disappointing. And did you complain to the internet gods? I did. I cried. But uh, the, the, <laughs> the thing is, you know, they're asking these questions uh, like, what do search engines do? Oh, look, Yahooligans for kids. I remember Yahooligans. Um, I wasn't a kid, but I remember it existed, and it would pop up. Wait, wait. You have to be very careful in what you're saying there. Why? What? What do you mean? Oh, because a, a person who was thinking a certain way might sound like you were trolling through Yulhugan. No, no. I was a kid myself. Uh, but uh, I wasn't... I was I'm just going to put a... Like, let's just put a, a non-creeper alert right there. Oh, uh, okay. That's a good idea. <laughs> but you were uh, a somewhat adult just surfing the internet. I was, yeah. Do you remember Yahoo groups? Were you like, uh, like did you ever go? Yes, I remember groups? that. And the thing is, is, what's interesting about Yahoo and the other search engines at that time, they were practically like curated by people, right? There were all those. Remember, you'd go to the Yahoo main page and you have different links you can click on for different things. And it would, let's say you'd click on 
let's say Led Zeppelin, and it would give you like the 30 websites that existed at the time for Led Zeppelin. Right, yeah, it was definitely, like, people had to go and find those links. Like, the, like robots.txt, like, uh, wasn't a thing. No. And now it's just, a, yeah, like, it's the way that, you know, it's automated almost, like, it's aggregated in such a way that you, you put things up on the internet and they appear when you search them is not uh, how it used to work. And I think the, the right word would be, as you said, curating content. Yeah, that's what they basically did, which is what a lot of services do now with music and videos and things like that. Uh, the, the things, uh, the things that got me the most about that video is watching them get excited about surfing and news groups and emails and chat groups and how exciting that could be to people because it was such a novel idea of you go online and talk to people around the world, like some sort of, uh, less complicated ham radio with, a, but a text one. So there was no misunderstandings. Exactly. Do you remember, so I think this may be the first meme I ever encountered, but do you remember the ate my balls craze from like 97, 98, where like it was all these like very juvenile people? Oh, yeah. I had buried that deep in my brain. Like who would put up like Mr. T. And, you know, when I first was using Yahoo to look for pop culture stuff, like there was a large segment of um, the website that was curated that had that both in the groups as well as like website hits. And it was people using their MS Paint skills to like draw over like Mr. T or like Star Wars or like what our G.I.G. or whatever it was or like South Park was huge at the time because it was just starting the first or second season and like doing that and used to find that everywhere. It was so quaint back then, the Internet. And now we have horrible ransomware that takes over things. We had another ransomware attack this week. Right, which we won't be getting into. Suffice no, to not say, at all. It's exist. It's just, it's just to say, yeah, it's just to say that how simple things were back then on the internet. Oh, Sunny. Uh, one of the other things that I thought was really interesting, too, is as you were pointing out, like people saying internet as if it were a person, like that old NBC News report from 1993 that we're going to link to where like, the guy says, you know, internet. That, like, yeah. It's just like a master murderer breaking into your home. You said it really well. The, you, 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 you imitated him quite well. <laughs> Thank uh, you. It's, it, that really got me because it was like some sort of dark and mysterious thing that was coming down the line. The information superhighway. That was the other favorite thing. And you surf it. It was just The amount odd. of things that you saw that like uh, had the literal surfing action going on, like all of these images and posters and books and like pamphlets. That was, it was such an odd thing, but it was the way to describe what you were doing on the internet. You would just log in and you can uh, maybe put that sound of logging in right now. And, there we go. Okay, and that's the sound you would hear when you would log into the internet. And now, it's 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 changed so much. And watching these videos from the what they were predicting was going to happen, it was it's it's pretty close. Uh, obviously, well, I mean, there's that uh, there's that Apple, the Knowledge Navigator. Yeah, that thing's that that's it's it's pretty cool. I mean, we we're not that far advanced. The series nowhere near that helpful. But uh, it's still pretty amazing where we've come. You'd better watch out before internet gets you. Next week on Double Density. Bob the Printer reveals all. Double Density.
Welcome back to the Double Density Podcast. And uh, so reality is a thing that exists. It's not disputed, nor is it argued. But sometimes, sometimes there is more to reality than meets the eye, right, Angelo? Sometimes you can augment reality. Oh. So um, Tim Cook, Apple CEO, for the past few years, uh, people have been asking about when Apple's going to go into VR and uh, he always shoots down that question by saying uh, he really thinks AR is the future. And now we know why. Um, at WWDC a few weeks ago, um, Apple introduced something called AR Kit. Basically, it's a framework for developers to be able to easily implement augmented reality into uh, iPhones as re- and iPads as recent as uh, 2015. So. A huge chunk of the iPads and iPhones that have come out in the past few years can use with the, what they're calling AR Kit. And if you're not quite sure what AR is, it's um, if you've ever seen Pokemon Go and how you can see the little uh, uh, Pokemon in the middle of the actual street standing there, that's AR. Uh, basically taking the cameras on your phone and throwing in some images uh, created by whatever app you're using at the time. And I've never really been excited about this stuff. Uh, it's not something that interests me. But uh, I've been reading a bunch of articles about uh, ARKit, and Apple is really doing something interesting. It's not the most, um, in terms of hardware, they're not using the most advanced hardware, hardware because Google's come out with um, Project Tango, which is also AR. But right, so it's two competing sorts of AR kits that developers can use. Well, it's, the thing is with Project Tango is that the um, Apple's is actually literally called AR Kit, uh, and Project Tango is uh, augmented reality uh, thing as well. But you need special hardware as well, so it won't work on Google's Pixel phone right now. It may work on their next Pixel phone, but unless you have a very specific type of hardware it won't necessarily work on your Android device. The thing Apple has an advantage here is that they control everything and they can actually bring it back as far as the A9 processor, I believe, or the A8. I can't remember exactly which one. It's either this iPhone 6 or the iPhone 6S where you can actually use the augmented reality. I'm pretty sure it might actually be the iPhone 6, which would create a lot of devices out there that would be able to use this uh, AR kit. So the reason I'm saying it's actually pretty interesting is that there's really cool stuff people are already showing off that they're doing with their developer kit. Uh, One of the coolest ones I've seen so far is uh, a tape measure. You know how sometimes, I know you know this by having recently moved, you want to know if something will fit in a certain area. Well, you hold up your phone and it reads the room and can tell you exactly how big an area is using AR kit. So it's actually useful. It's not basically a game like uh, Pokemon Go, which, of course, with Pokemon Go, it's great because it'll make it look nicer. I've never really played Pokemon Go, but I've seen what it is. But uh, the practical uses are pretty cool. And Hold up. Hold, wait, wait. You're, you're saying that you're not a, Poke, uh, a Pokemaster? No, I have, I have. So I missed the whole Pokemon uh, craze because uh, I was a little too old for it. I was born in the 70s, right? So like it was more of uh, people your age and maybe even a little younger than you that younger than me yeah. were really like people got into Pokemon were are like I think borderline it's 27, 28 years old at this point. 
Right. So what you're saying is you've caught none of them. I have not caught any. The thing is, I work with people that play with Pokemon, and they're all actually older than me, and they really love it. It just goes to show that augmented reality has different uses. And one of the videos that I saw was showing how someone can actually um, uh, plan out home decor, which I thought was really cool. Exactly. That really, really is helpful, especially there's there's so many uses for that. And I think IKEA is working on a very specific app for, for AR kit that'll really help with uh, people choosing uh, great IKEA furniture. Uh, this is not a sponsorship, however. No, but we'll we'll take it if it's out there. <laughs> for all sponsorship opportunities, if you feel like it, you can email us at doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com. Just as an FYI, let's just slip that in there in case someone notices this. You're very good at doing that. It is a very promising technology, but I mean, there are a lot of promising technologies that never materialize either, right? Or just fail to catch on for whatever reason. So we're talking about a couple episodes ago, the essential smartphone has a lot of, uh, of things going for it, but I don't know if it's going to catch on. And there's a lot of other sorts of either um, vaporware or like never wear I guess, <laughs> yeah. would be the best way to put it. Well, so... Remember the '90s, as the internet was as internet was coming into being, uh, VR was the next big thing, and we saw this with uh, movies like The Lawnmower Man and uh, Johnny Mnemonic and all that stuff. How VR was going to be such a big deal and was going to take everything over, and nothing happened. Uh, the, the closest we came was what with the the power glove and with uh the uh, genesis activator remember that thing oh, the, i thought it was so cool for about three seconds till i actually i don't remember what show it was but it was one of these like video game shows I actually showed it off and i realized how horrendous it was to use so the activator was a mat that uh, basically copied the um so each sort of area was uh, a part of your controller um but in order to use it it was just very complicated it it looked like it would never work, and uh, it actually didn't in practice. And, you know, so there are a lot of things that were out there that um, unfortunately never um, came to be or never were uh, big for whatever reason. So one of the big things, too, that I remember seeing in um, the pages of GameFan was the, the Jaguar, the Atari Jaguar. Do you remember the controller that had the number pad in the middle? Oh, well, yeah, it reminded me of my old ColecoVision uh, controller that you would actually put... Uh, uh, a number pad on uh, it was uh it was kind of sad there there's so so much garbage back then and the the other uh just i wanted to quickly go back to vr nintendo tried to get into this and it was a colossal failure remember you know what i'm talking about right i tried the virtual boy out at my local walmart oh wow um, i've never actually tried one please before, Tell me about this. For it was horrible. I I only scarcely remember. I played the tennis game, and man, like after ten minutes, because it's just it's it's black and red, right? And it's just it's very intense for your eyes, and I I didn't like it at all. Like I didn't think it was uh, going to be a hit. And me as like a nine year old and saying something wasn't a hit meant that like Nintendo missed its mark entirely. Because if I didn't buy into the concept, the chances are ninety percent of the rest of the fan base would not care, and that's what happened. That was uh, their first colossal failure and it but there were other small-scale failures along the way too right no no i'm but i'm saying colossal like uh their partnership with phillips for oh, the cdi yeah. games those infamous cdi games oh man what a what a mess that actually is. you know what let's let's put the cdi on the list of other garbage systems because i was doing some research recently and uh, in today's dollars the cdi uh would have set you back over a thousand dollars if not two thousand depending on what package you picked it's it's crazy that those things even existed and 
Um, shout out to our friends at GameSack, who are actually not our friends, but I'd like them to be my friends. Uh, they, they, they've done really, really great reviews of um, old consoles. And I recently watched the one about the Jaguar and the CDI. Uh, and wow, those were terrible. Uh, they were not good. So another one that I want to throw into the a heap of like burning consoles is the 3do which cost over a thousand bucks yeah they reviewed that one too and that was uh if you haven't watched those i really encourage you to watch them uh maybe we'll put a couple of links up uh the thing is is now i don't see that happening as easily right the people seem a lot more savvy about that type of hardware that it would never fly although i say that and i mean the the PS uh, the PS4 Pro pretty unsuccessful. The VR experiment with uh, the the PS4 isn't really working out as well as anybody thought it would. Uh, I mean, we were also talking about things like the Wii U, right? Because of its naming nomenclature, wasn't the best system. Um, I actually had two more that I wanted to go through oh, go to it. throw at you before I forget. So the 32x add-on. Oh boy, yeah. Which was almost in today's dollars over 200 bucks, and it was maybe six months before the Saturn dropped. And it, yeah, it, so it, it was so weird to even connect it. Did you ever see how you had to connect it? Yes, it was on top of the Genesis and you had to have two power sources. Yeah. A friend of mine had one and he had, it was either Doom or the Spider-Man game. Um, and it was not fun because it clearly like, the graphics weren't improved enough to the point where you're like, yes, like this is amazing. I must get this. It was just, it was a weird stop, like a, a weird placemat, like placeholder that sort of lingered but came out either too late or too early because the Saturn was just coming around the corner and that was a CD-based system. Yeah, and it was it blew it out of the water. And the final system I want to talk about is the Apple Bandai Pippin. Oh boy, that, would, uh, that, that never even made it into production, really, or did it? It did. There were 40,000 units sold total. Oh, really? Um, so when it was actually released in North America, though, it had a total of 18 games, <laughs> including... Mr. Potato Head saves Veggie Valley. Oh, well, that sounds great. A game called Exotic Sushi and a game called Cool Crafts. So that gives you an idea of the caliber of games available for the Apple Bandai Pippin. And it's kind of a fascinating uh, garbage dumpster fire <laughs> um, of a system to go through because Apple wanted to continue with the Pippin um, uh, platform beyond this. Um, but unfortunately, like it just it totally went sideways. Apple was a, such a disaster back then. We're we're lucky that we have iPhones and stuff now. They they were so close to just totally crashing. But they didn't. I think they were six months away from back bankruptcy before Bill Gates yeah. saved them. I know that you wanted to talk about the newer systems, and I had a point to make. Oh too no, about that, that absolutely. I do think that like there are less garbage systems out there, but more garbage games, right? So the PS2 console is the one that has the most games. So there's over thirty eight hundred games. That many and. Yeah, and the Wii has uh, a bit over a thousand, I think, in North America. But like the amount of shovelware that exists on the Wii is astronomical, especially uh, when you factor in like kids' games the, or like yeah. games that are geared towards like the four to six or four to eight. The Wii was the champion of shovelware because the thing with the Wii is that they were able to sell people on plastic attachments that you can put onto the controllers. That's one of the reasons I never actually bought the Wii, even though there were decent games. I think the Wii U has a lot more quality versus quantity, a lot more. Right. I I also got suckered in. The only peripheral I bought for the Wii actually was the steering wheel for Mario Kart 7. Oh, yeah. That, that thing that came with it. Yeah. Well, one of them, you had to buy multiple ones, right? But yeah, that's definitely... like. And I think you're right. There was 
a ton of of peripherals like cheap plastic peripherals that existed for uh wii games that didn't deserve uh someone spending that extra money or like having to pay for the game that included it yeah that this thing there it was a lot of uh grandparents buying these things for their 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 kids their grandkids that they they might like uh the video game that they would play with these funny little fishing poles and steering wheels and baseball mitts there was so much garbage plastic back then and i think now as we're moving forward the garbage has shifted from physical actual consoles to really crappy apps for smartphones absolutely i mean one quick glance at either the android player or uh like the itunes store is revelatory about that right and it's it's not simply just games but the in-game purchases that get you to or the idea that you have to wait your turn or pay money in order to play more turns or whatever for turn-based games is just it's an industry unto itself that you know generates millions if not billions at this point and i think yeah it has moved off of consoles and onto um phones which are easier uh in terms of like being able to transact um and uh you know get people to spend their money on yeah when i was setting up my daughter's ipad this week because she inherited the ipad mini from me uh she was asking about why i always insist on paying for apps (laughs) and i gave her my line which is the title of one of our episodes i'm an app hipster well speaking of smartphones uh it's the 10th anniversary of the original iphone i think today as we record this right it's june 28th today and uh it is the tenth anniversary of the release of the iPhone, with uh, hundreds of people waiting in line, not quite sure what they were going to get. They were kind of, sort of sure, but not sure. The first iPhone, looking back on it, uh, was pretty amazing. But when you look back at it compared to what we have now, and even just uh, if people would have waited one generation, uh, it it wasn't that great compared to the second model that came out and they they kind of priced it too high and they knew that then they they reduced the price but just as an as a product itself we can safely say it's the most successful thing ever right i would say that i mean it's definitely a a culture defining i think would be a good word to use when you when you talk about the iphone and uh, they've sold over a billion of them at this point um it's even though they don't have the market share in terms of the operating system in terms of the actual hardware device they they have a huge market share of that and the profit share is through the roof for that it's amazing how apple can charge this much make this much off of it and still have it be so popular i definitely agree with that i think it's it's kind of really interesting to see how it sort of like uh has evolved and continues through time to be the sort of like the i don't want to say the gold standard but a standard uh, a, a way of operating um, in a market, I think would be the best way of explaining it. Yeah, no, Apple knows exactly what they're doing when it comes to selling uh, hardware. And that's where they differ from other uh, manufacturers because they make the hardware and they make the software to to make, to, to make that hardware work well. Uh, which is one of the reasons I keep just buying iPhones and Apple stuff because it, I know it won't be perfect, but it'll be as close to perfect as you can get with these uh, computers that uh, sometimes I'm surprised they actually work at all considering everything that's (laughs) having to happen. Like just right now, what we're doing, there's so much that my Mac is doing, right? It's recording me on two separate channels. It's recording you and our actual whole conversation on different channels. 
while we're looking at our show notes and going through different websites and talking and it's it's still it's it it's still pretty incredible to incredible to me that code can create this and actually work together without it just exploding every single minute. I agree with you. I think it's an amazing time. What a time to be alive. What a time to be able to go and do things. And I read a comment today and I think it's very right that the iPad Pro you have in your hand is more powerful than your uh desktop computer or your desktop Mac right now. Not my current desktop Mac, but no, but, m- but, but most, most people's. Yes. I was telling my wife yesterday that it's it's significantly more powerful than her 2011 MacBook Air, like by a lot. Were you just rubbing it in her face? Well, no, but I, we held it. She she wanted to see like we wanted to see how uh, big the screen was next to her screen, and it's it just engulfs it. It's really funny, even though her screen is a 13 inch screen, because of the the the, um, the aspect ratio of the iPad, it just looks bigger. Uh, it's really interesting, and and something I've noticed is I've been um, using it more. I, this might change, but I've been using it more in landscape uh, versus portrait to read things because it's such a, a big screen that it doesn't really bother me. So your luxury iPadding is what you're saying right now. Oh yeah, this thing is definitely a, a luxury uh, device that is uh, wholly unnecessary. I mean, I could get other work done with a smaller iPad. Or even a pencil and a piece of paper. Well, I can't really record music with a pencil and a piece of paper. I can write music notation horribly, but I can't really record it. Yeah, a pencil and paper would be great for writing. Double Density. Welcome back to the Double Density Podcast and switching gears as we always do from tech to the paranormal. This week, we're going to talk about angels or more specifically, fallen angels. But uh, first, you want to get into a story that a friend told you, right? So yeah, a friend of mine, um, uh, her, um, well, her husband, my other friend is uh, the, the aforementioned people we went to the escape room with. Uh, he's been listening to the show. So shout out to him. He's been enjoying it. And um, we were talking about the podcast and she said, well, you, if you want to mention a story, I have a story for you about uh, something that happened to me uh, when I was a child. And as soon as she said that, I said, yeah, you were a child, so you made it up in your head. But uh, it's still, it was an interesting story to, to know. Uh, so she was uh, walking with a friend, uh, I guess this was in kindergarten. Uh, they were walking uh, in, in the snow because we live in Montreal and it snows in the winter. And there were huge snowbanks, and she kind of got ahead of her friend, uh, and her friend was calling her, and then she kind of fell in a snowbank, and she couldn't get up anymore, and there was a bus coming that was literally going to hit the snowbank. And then she felt, and I can't remember if she said she saw them, but she felt two people pick her up and put her on the ground and save her, and she said that they were or um, guardian angels that picked her up and saved her at that moment. And it was an interesting story. And I told her, I said, look, you were a kid. You probably got up. Uh, and uh, you, you're remembering it this way because our memory is terrible. But it's a nice thing to think about. And I could be totally wrong. And there could be angels that that um, saved her and picked her up. But again, whenever it comes to kids, uh, I usually are on the side of they're making it up or they're remembering wrong if it's an adult. But Interesting story, nonetheless, and uh, it was it was quite. Uh, would we say it's synchronicity that she mentioned an angel story in the same week you had put angels slash uh, Anunnaki on our show notes? Who knows? I feel like it is a sign that we should like. Whenever that kind of thing happens, I feel like it's a thing we should definitely explore. Um, I mean, the idea of angels is you know millennia old at this point. And I think it's very interesting. Who am I to say whether or not you know they exist? And like you, like. You could be wrong, you know, they could help. 
And I mean, if you want to, there's an entire Unsolved Mysteries box set dedicated to this mm-hmm. kind of thing, if you want to check that out too. Well, uh, um, uh, before, again, I, I, I wanted to give another shout out to the Not Alone podcast. And this week, uh, the episode I listened to, they talked about demons uh, and possessions and stuff. It was, uh, it was a, a very creepy episode, but a really good one. And uh, thanks again to them for the uh, shout out and review they gave us uh, um, on iTunes. Thanks a lot. Would you say that they are our angels? <laughs> the, I, I, I must say I do, I do enjoy uh, their show. And there's a few other podcasts I listen to, and uh, we'll probably be mentioning them too from time to time. It's, it's, it's a good thing to promote uh, the other indie shows that are out there and uh, are working hard at making uh, good content free for the masses. I definitely agree with that. For me, uh, I mean, um, angels are all fine and interesting in the classical sense of you know that kind of thing. But I'm also very interested in the Anunnaki. Do you know what those are? So I don't really know much about that. I, I saw that there, and I kind of associated with the angels, which is why I brought up the story. But please, explain. So the Anunnaki are theoretically um, fallen angels. So this comes from Sumerian lord, um, most um, popularly, I guess, because there are several iterations of um, where they come from or, or how they've come to exist. But the idea is that they are Sumerian um, super beings, right? And so they existed in Sumerian times, uh, you know, 3500 BC-ish, let's say. And so uh, from there, um, they started mating with uh, Homo sapiens and Homo erectus, creating the Nephilim. Uh, So I don't know if you know this, but the Nephilim are considered to be like the children of the Anunnaki and human beings. And there's a passing reference in uh, Genesis 6, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 4, and I'll read this out to you. So. Uh, It says that the Nephilim were on earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were heroes of old, men of renown. So I find that was kind of interesting and that exists in um, most translations of the Bible is is sort of more or less um, that passage says that kind of thing. Interesting. And so uh, uh, a certain strand of person also believes that the Anunnaki uh, in crossbreeding with humans have also created um slaves so basically the idea is that the anunnaki came down and um uh fooled around with humans in order to make uh children and also uh crazily enough i had a friend who was talking about um doing this on the show but the planet nubiru is where these anunnaki are from apparently so i mean there's like this whole idea that they were sent to earth so yeah it's a whole kind of interwoven uh mythos that exists and um, and are they like superheroes where they have like different names and powers that each one can do something? Uh, they don't. I mean, they're just kind of like a, a, a like a, a group of persons. And I use persons loosely because they're apparently um, godlike creatures. But they existed um, and they coexisted, I guess would be the best word, to, with human beings at the same time. I think I fought a few of them in Diablo. Well, you were saying that a lot of the things that I was naming kind of sounded like uh, Diablo bad guys. They, I think they are, and I think that when you mentioned the, the word Nephilim, I think that's mentioned in Diablo three, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't played that in a while, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of the uh, the characters from that come, I guess, from this lore you're talking about. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of this lore is propagated by a name Zachary Sitchin, who also obviously has like a ton of books on the subject to push. He's also been obviously on uh, shows like Coast to Coast AM in the past. And um, really uh, talks about, and, and there's sort of an extension um, because there are a lot of like, quote unquote, lost books of the Bible too, which we should probably do an episode on because that's super interesting. 
but it it's all this like interwoven mythos as i was saying before that kind of um is very very hard to disprove because it's so old but at the same time it sort of goes against um popular thought in terms of what happens um on earth um pre-ad so i like this lore like this it's always fascinating to think about that and imagine that it could actually be real obviously in my opinion it probably isn't but uh, maybe these myths and legends came from something uh, maybe to oh, describe. for sure and i definitely agree that it does it's just it's funny because like people have accused him of like misreading and misunderstanding like things like babylonian literature and just the way that he um is cherry picking his um evidence to fit his narrative a lot of the time too is as people often do in this field um is very interesting um and also sort of par for the course yeah and so and and these angels like are when you think of them are they connected to the ones that are now the more common uh, view of angels with the wings and the halos and all that or are these completely separate these are completely separate angels okay. this is a new class of angel okay. and it's funny like they're that brings up a very good point of just the idea of like the different iterations or interpretations of what an angel is too, right? Just that, that idea of the classically held um, white robed haloed winged uh, figure um, that has emerged as the most popular one. But then you, there's a lot of like different uh, literature, mostly fictional that kind of has like angels in disguise, quote unquote. Right. But, and, and when you mention angels, the, the, the paranormal, event that comes to mind for me is I, I don't know if you know this is one of my top favorite paranormal event and it's the the garibandal apparitions i don't know if you feel you're very familiar with that one all that i know is that it happened in in northern spain somewhere that's all i remember because it also um i was also reading about the fatima miracles recently and it, it is in the same part of the world and it's the same vein of type of deal right with these visions that the virgin mary or angels came and told these young girls that something was happening and they gave them some uh, visions that uh, of the future and stuff. And a lot of them really didn't come to, to pass, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I guess for us, we're not all dead, but um, it, it is uh, quite uh, frightening when you see some of the footage from the Garibandal, if it's actually real, you see these girls like running backwards and their eyes rolled back in their heads. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty frightening, but I don't know what's really been proven to be real or fake about that. Uh, it, the first time I came to know about it was in uh, that uh, special on NBC of a uh, few of prophecies, ancient prophecies, which I think we've discussed before. And it's one of my favorite old uh, paranormal shows, but right. The ones where like there were segments with like people like John Hogue, for example. Yeah. And the thing is, is that Skeptics do talk about the Garibandal thing, and the, the problem is that none of these statements from people that witnessed it were observed by anybody who would be able to determine if they were being fooled. And comes back to me talking about kids, uh, oftentimes with these things, it's, uh, it's older children or uh, preteens or early teenagers that uh have these types of things and uh i don't know if you know this but adolescence super unreliable <laughs> i think that's something that comes up continually here is just um anyone uh pubescent i think or anyone um you know who isn't 
in any position to sort of uh, record their thoughts as they're happening in uh, as objective uh, a way as possible is definitely um, uh, not reliable. Yeah, but I do, even though it's very unreliable, that whole Garabandal thing, I find it really, really interesting uh, that they that so many people uh, put stock into it and believed it. And like I said, the, 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 the film that I've seen of it, if, of course, it's, it's what I'm remembering from something I watched in the late 90s. I guess I could easily go look it up on YouTube. But it's, it, was, it was pretty frightening to see them running backwards, and it looked like almost like it was filmed in reverse. It was, uh, right. it was kind of amazing. I, I don't think anybody had an iPhone, though. Uh, to to record it, and that's again what I'll say every time is that well, all these damn cameras and stuff. Why isn't anybody having visions now? It's because that's a great question. And just going back to the concept of angels, I mean, there are different kinds of angels. Some of them are even uh, dark angels, right? So, um, in some, uh, I mean, like Luke, look at you know, Devil or the Lucifer, right? Like he's theoretically a fallen angel, right? Exactly. And the Seraphim are just the highest of highest of angels who also apparently defected alongside him, or some of them did, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they're and so, part of the... They, they, they joined his, his team, so to say, speak. Yeah. There was a, a draft day came yeah. up, like Celestial Draft Day came up, and that's what happened. But I mean, yeah, the different iterations of different kinds of angels is super fascinating. I mean, we go from that, right, to um, your favorite TV show, obviously, Touched by an Angel. Oh, yeah, Michael Landon. Was it Michael Landon? Yeah. That was it, right? Where did the angel yeah, touch correct. you? Show me. No, wait. It was uh, wasn't Michael. No, Landon? that was uh, heaven. Heaven something. Highway to heaven. I don't know. <laughs> Is it highway to heaven? Am I just making things up? Hold on. I got. I have an expert here. Steph, what was Michael Landon on? Uh, okay, I was right. Our, highway uh, to heaven. Um, okay. Our producer just let us know that to highway to heaven uh, was the show. That's great, and you could hear it too in the background. That's awesome. <laughs> But yeah, to uh, Touched by an Angel, one of your favorite shows starring Della Reese, of course, yeah. and Roma Downey. Oh, yes. Uh, running over 200 episodes. I'm proud to say I've seen two. I'm Max. I have never seen any of them. But I did used really? to. Yeah, no, I, but I used to watch Highway to Heaven because it was. I would always wait for when somebody would piss off the angel and he would beat them up, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> he was always like really strong. <laughs> So what you're saying is that you're just describing the Incredible Hulk <laughs> is, is basically what you're saying here. He would like me when I'm angry and then like wings come out of his back and he has a halo. A heavenly Hulk. I would watch that. Heavenly Hulk. You just created a new Marvel character. There we go. No, no. Uh, Hulk, small H. Oh, okay. So that way I get to keep it. Okay, good. No, no. way Marvel's stealing this one from me, okay? Stan Lee's going to have to put in an appearance in our show. Yeah, well, listen, he's 95. He might. I don't know what he's doing with his time. Is he 95? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, he still looks good. He's either 94 or about to be 95. Well, good for him. God bless. Yeah, he's 94, turns 95 in December. Amazing. And so he, he is a form of angel. He's a comic book angel. It's true. Um, he also uh, takes too much credit for what he's done, but that's another <laughs> episode entirely where I just complain about comic books you can, uh, yeah. over and over again. We can save that for a few episode number 25. Right. <laughs> I like how the idea of that may come up. So episode 25, we're going to do uh, my complaints about the comic book industry and, and its history. Episode 28, 29, we're going to do Rod's episode 32. <laughs> uh, we'll have a couple. We'll do a roundtable discussion about um, shadows and shadow people and what they mean to you. The shadow people thing would be kind of interesting to do, though, because so many people believe in it. 
and think it's a, it's a real phenomenon which and i i still think it's uh it's either it's environmental or psychological or just physical where your eye kind of plays a trick on you but there are some really scary stories about shadow people which are a lot of fun speaking of shadow people uh i <laughs> i was i was gonna make a non sequitur here just uh, angels in the outfield is another great underrated classic oh yes i've seen that so uh, yeah as you were saying like that i think it was very interesting there are a lot of different depictions of angels right like for example like it's a wonderful life i love that movie growing up it was such an interesting idea to me how do you feel about it now as an adult it's still a good feel-good movie. It's uh, and it, you know what? It holds up surprisingly, really, really well. Do you feel like it's a movie your children would watch, or do they not care because it's black and white? So my kids don't really know what angels are. They don't ask questions about that type of stuff. Like they're, I don't know if they'd find it interesting. They might. It'd be a maybe it's something to watch uh, coming uh, Christmas. The problem with it, it's in black and white exactly that that is a killer for kids at this point can we talk about the most terrifying angel of all time please nicholas cage in city of angels yeah that soundtrack was a big deal because there was a new alanis morissette song on it so from nicholas cage to della reese uh to the seraphim to the anunnaki to classical angels i feel like we've covered the gamut of angelic entities here and i'm sure there are countless more but i feel like we've done a pretty good job of sort of enumerating certain ones which are popular with um the people of today and and it goes back to you being very well researched and knowing the name of all these things and me saying stupid things about the angels but still uh it was a fun discussion because it is something that definitely is paranormal if people are seeing angels but what are they seeing and is it the the question i have is what do people of other faiths see when they see an angel that's a great question so uh if anyone has any interesting stories to add you can hit us up on social media so you know like on twitter double underscore density we can also go uh you can also hit us up on facebook so facebook.com slash double density podcast and it's the same thing for instagram double density podcast if you want to let us know how you feel or if you have um uh, any stories or anything that you'd like to go through or sort of um explain or rectify uh we're more than happy to uh do that on the air or off the air whatever we feel like because we are the masters of our podcast domain we are and we'd like to hear uh, your opinion about the show also uh, on itunes it'd be great if you left us a review so far like i said we uh, only have one review from uh, outside of canada which is it was always fun to see uh, and uh it'd be great to have a few more and we'll be happy to thank you on air about those reviews if you want to hear your name said on on, on the, the internet by two guys who you don't know. It'd be fun. So this has been episode 11 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we uh, do a live on-air uh, reenactment of Angelo using the Genesis Activator <laughs> while trying to play uh, Contra 4. Or sorry, yeah, it is Contra 4, right? That sounds great. I think that's a really yeah. good idea. So until next week... Uh, we'll be around, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to end this. What do you think? I, I think uh, we'll just say uh, see ya, everyone. Bye, then. <laughs> <laughs>